Welcome to Cultural Conversations. Glad you could be here. I'm Will Johansson. And I'm Christian Folau. And today we're going to be interviewing Oscar Cardone. Our colleague Sam Klinger was able to sit down with Oscar to discuss his experience interning in China twice. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us, Oscar. Uh, let's go ahead and just get started with your background, I guess. Uh, where, where have you been, like where you are now, and kind of your, your path as far as uh, just your career and education goes? Mind you just kind of explaining a little bit more, uh, delving into that for us? For sure. Well, my name is Oscar, uh, Oscar Cordon. I'm from Guatemala, Central America, born and raised. I've lived in a couple places. Most of my life, I lived in Guatemala. I grew up there. I moved to El Salvador with my family when I was 18, lived there for some time, served a mission in Taiwan, Taipei. And after spending those two years there, I moved to the US. I did my undergrad there. I got a major uh, in, a, in Asian studies. I minored in Chinese and global business. And during that time, I took a year off to go to China. I did an internship there. I did a student exchange there. In the following year, I also did another internship in China. After that, I moved back to Guatemala. So in total, I would say I've lived in five different places. Guatemala, El Salvador, the US, uh, mainland China, and Taiwan. And currently, I work in research. I do economic and trade research for a firm that does uh, that write lo writes lots of articles on U.S.-China relations. So I do research on um, trade and foreign investments from the U.S. going into China and from China going to other advanced economies. From my career path, I like what I do currently. I like doing anything that involves China because it's very much related to what I studied. And in the future, I'd like to do something with international business. So I've been looking uh, and different degrees that would allow me to do that. For example, a supply chain degree or an MBA degree. And just hoping to connect uh, the world in different ways through business. I think specifically the cultures and the places I'm familiar with. Uh, for example, being able to do business between China, uh, North America, the US and Latin America. So yeah, I think that that's really the main things that you need to know about me and everything <laughs> else kind of would be a ramification of that. Yes. Right, of course. No, thank you. That's great. Um, so we kind of want to delve into a little bit about just your time working over in China and how you got there in the first place. Cause a lot of our listeners um, are students that are looking for international experience to some degree or a professional that's looking to pivot to go do international business. So as far as the internship and the first beginning like job that you had over in China, what role did like your education, for example, because like, did you go straight from BYU over to China for an internship or how did that work? What was the application and kind of the process and networking? How did that work out for you? So what I did uh, was I was interested in looking for, for an internship. I, I wanted something specific. I wanted to be in China uh, working just by myself. So what I did uh, for the first internship I did, I went online, looked at different resources online, different, let's say, businesses that do recruiting online, some companies that help you meet uh, potential uh, companies that are hiring interns. 
So for the first time I went to China, that's what I did. I, I did some research on companies that could help me find that bridge to go to China. And I found a company that does management consulting. It's a Swedish company called Selami, and they had a branch in Asia. Their Asia Pacific headquarters was there. And all the other people that had interned there did the same thing. They also found it after broker agencies. A couple of them, they were brought over from Europe uh, through networking. So the first time was mainly research. I did my own research online. I didn't know uh, much about the different resources that BYU provided for students. So I kind of just thought about doing my own thing. And I did. The second time, however, I, I had more knowledge about what I wanted. I knew more about different programs that BYU had. And that second time, I did uh, better research in school. And through one of my academic advisors, actually, he knew somebody in China that was looking for interns. So I, he introduced us. They needed somebody who could do marketing, international marketing. And after adding each other on social media and ta- talking for a bit, we were able to figure out those details. And then I was in China a month after that. So, yeah, I think it really just depends. If you really want to do it, you'll be able to. Wow. So, so for, if I understand correctly, so the first time you just did your own research, you just kind of took it on your own shoulders and did what you could. And then the second time you were able to connect with some advisors. Is that right? And that kind of yes. fell. Correct. Uh, did, uh, did your time, the first time, did that create any networks for you to go back into China with at all? Like when you were interning with Salami, did any networks occur or, or develop through that? The future it did, it did. I met, I met a lot of people in that industry. Um, they, they liked me. They basically told me the door will be open for some time uh, in the future. If you'd like to come and experience this again, once you graduate, let us know. I was, uh, I was barely starting my, my junior year when I went there. Um, so yes, it, it did create a network for me. The reason why I, did, I looked for an internship a different way was that, I, was that after trying this industry, uh, I liked it, but I thought of wanting to try something new. I was thinking I wanted to get a different experience from China. So the first time was with an international company based in China. And the second one was a Chinese company. So everybody in the company was Chinese and they were mainly doing operations uh, with people in China and exporting abroad. So both times were very different and they both created very different networks. But your first experience, it was that you said it was an international company, right? It was Swedish, located in China. Is that right? Yes. So you are coming from the States, going to a Swedish company located in China. So there's a lot of cultures, a lot of norms and traditions, I'm sure, I'm sure that you'd have to kind of deal with. What was that like working for like a multicultural company over in China? It was very, very, you no, know, very interesting. A lot of things I did not expect. Uh, so yeah, for the most part, everything was a surprise. So for, first of all, I, ha- I hadn't been in China, living in China before. I had visited for a week a year before that. And when I got there, I wasn't aware of how international the company would be. When I got there, half of my coworkers were Chinese people who had lived abroad, studied abroad, and would conduct most of their business in Chinese, some even in German, and in English. 
And then the other half was very international. They were all uh, from different European countries. My boss was Swedish. He was the only Swedish person there. The rest were from uh, Germany and the UK. So I had to basically navigate both of those cultures as, as, the, as the outlier because I, was, I wasn't really part of any of those groups. Mm-hmm. A lot of interesting interactions between them and with, between me and them. I can think right away of how the culture was very different from anything I had experienced in the States or in Guatemala. It was very, they, you, would, you could call it uh, results-oriented. Okay. Yeah. So what, what we did in the company was that there wasn't really much of a managing and not, not even mentioned like a micromanaging atmosphere. Basically, we would be assigned tasks and just expect to complete them. Nobody would be checking on us. So basically, we could do things at our own time. And as long as we finished them, that was, that was good with them. So I remember the first day they told me, okay, you can come in either at 8, you can come in at 9, you can come in at 10, it's up to you. And you can leave at 4, you can leave at 7, you can leave at 5, it's up to you. And I, just, I, just, I didn't know what to do with that information. It, it, it didn't sound like they had a plan for me for, to, to do something in the internship, which I thought maybe was just quite informal. But when I got there, I realized, okay, they basically want me to figure out my schedule, prioritize uh, the different activities and tasks that they gave me and complete, complete them on my own. So yeah, it was very, very different. It really pushed me to be pretty, pretty independent and yeah, I bet. yeah, just live up to their expectations. Yeah. Interesting. Now, just kind of stemming off of expectations in general, did you find that the expectations you had in your internship compared to the expectations you had with a company that was a local, um, the, the second company you worked for, what were those expectations like in comparison with each other? They were quite different. I think in the first company, they, so they, like I said, they expected me to uh, be very independent. They would provide training on a couple things. And after that, uh, just leave me alone, expect me to complete things within a, within a time frame, and just notify them. The second company, however, it was very much uh, Chinese, so you could really feel a, a hierarchy in the company. Uh, you had to be reporting to different managers, to different supervisors. They would check on us all the time, and they expected me to to just be reaching out to them and be basically very uh, codependent on every task and everything we would do. So it was the, I, I could say the complete opposite experience of the first time. Uh, yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. Was there anything that you did in particular to help you make that adjustment or did that help you kind of uh, deal with it a little better or? There wasn't really anything that helped me prepare for it. I would say it was, it was very much like the first time a complete surprise. I didn't know how local of an experience that that internship was going to be but when i got there i realized i was the only foreigner in this 80 people company they managed uh several phone calls and correspondence with international clients as soon as i got there they wanted me to be the contact point uh, for all of them they would also ask me lots of questions on different things that i didn't know but that they thought i probably knew better than them because i was not chinese yeah, I, I suddenly felt all these different expectations. And at the same time, I had to be uh, very responsive to 
all these needs and this uh, management structure that they had that I knew nothing about. So basically, I had to take it one step at a time. And I made mistakes and mm-hmm. uh, had a, had quite a few embarrassing interactions with my coworkers, but um, eventually it just came along, I would say. <laughs> with those, I don't, mind, I don't know if you mind if I kind of delve into that a little bit with the those embarrassing moments. Was it based off of like just cultural differences or like miscommunication, do you think? or Cultural, I would say. Cultural. Definitely cultural. I can think right away, um, lunchtime. That was a very different thing in China uh, the second time. Just to make a contrast, my first experience, uh, my first internship in China, most coworkers, they would get together and mention, okay, I'm going to go have lunch here. If somebody wants to join me, feel free to come. Uh, other people, they would maybe go and meet some friends, do, basically do whatever they wanted. The second one, they had a cafeteria uh, on the spot. Everybody would go to the cafeteria. They would eat really fast. Um, maybe they would finish their lunch in 10 minutes or so. So first time I went, I realized everybody was eating in a rush. And I asked them, how long was their lunch break? And they told me an hour and a half. So something didn't click. I was thinking, why is everything moving so fast? And after everybody was done, they would go back to their desks. They would pull out this pillow. They had a pillow. Everybody had a pillow under, uh, uh, under their desk. Then they would just put it on their desk and then take a one hour nap. So it, 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 it's something they just do in Chinese companies that I have no idea that nobody ever told me about. They take naps. So they eat real fast and then take a nap uh, throughout their lunch break. So the first time I was thinking, okay, there's not really a chance to talk or chat with people because everybody seems rushed. And then after everybody went and started taking their nap, I was just, I don't know, I was done eating. I did not (laughs) feel like sleeping. I did not have a pillow. And I thought maybe I can make a phone call, call somebody to talk with a friend or something. And I did, I did that. I called a friend because I just found myself somewhat bored. Mm-hmm. And somebody, uh, one of my coworkers came and talked to me and told me, you cannot do that here because you're being loud and you're going to wake up your other coworkers. Oh, it, it, it was just, it just made me feel bad. And I, I was just confused uh, the whole day. Mm-hmm. And that kept happening the other days. And <laughs> okay. Eventually, I just had to fit in. I had to buy my own pillow and would basically rest for an hour. <laughs> yeah. So you just like got to embrace the culture, got to buy the pillow. That's great. Yes, it was, it was really, it was really weird at first, but um, I was able to navigate it and thought it was actually good. Yeah. It gave me like a good power nap to continue yeah. the day. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should start doing that over in the States, you know, maybe that should be a new, new tradition. <laughs> yeah. Who knows if it would catch up, uh, yeah. if they would catch that trend, but yeah, it was interesting. That is interesting. That's a very interesting comparison. That's 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 a interesting cultural difference. Um, okay, with okay, hold on. Yeah, I, I kind of want to go back to um, if you don't mind the beginning of like the whole getting the internship. Like, what was the application process like? Well, let's start with like the one that you did your own research for. Did you okay. just reach out and? just apply blindly or did you make some contacts first? Did you, did you have to do something unique with like your resume or, or the interviews like and such? So they had, yes, yes. So, I mean, there was definitely uh, some hiring HR process involved right away. They had me do a phone interview, a phone interview in which they, they had already looked at my resume, asked me specific questions on some experiences and 
a lot of questions on what I was, what I found interesting about the company. So before that phone call, I forgot to mention this, they sent me a, a small task, a small task in which they told me to go and review their website and read some specific articles they had published on some consulting methods they would use with some companies to read them and to write down my thoughts about them. And after asking me a couple of questions about my resume, and, uh, and so they asked me what I thought about those things, uh, what I thought was interesting, if I liked what they were doing in their company, if I could see myself uh, working in this kind of industry, and how, the, how I thought my resume could be, my resume experiences could be helpful for this. What I did with my resume, uh, really, I just showed it to a couple people before. I prepared it, uh, had it, I mean, organized, but at that point, I didn't have any substantial experience other than maybe uh, working part-time while I was at BYU and two-year mission. So really, it was mostly answering their questions. Right. It seems pretty straightforward as far as the interview process goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's kind of nice because I feel like probably some people will feel or will be curious if there is much of a difference between just applying here in the States versus applying overseas as far as that, that, that uh, hiring process goes. But it seems pretty similar. It's kind of nice. Was it, was it, was it much different for the, for the second uh, position? Was there much difference there? Um, the second one, yes, it was completely different because it was, I was referred directly to the right. person who was looking for answer. And so I think I was their first option right away and basically told me, okay, would you like to work in this industry? Uh, would you be able to do this and that? They asked me a couple things uh, that I could be able to do, for example, translation, if I was able to uh, do some online marketing, if I was comfortable uh, doing business phone calls. Uh, doing some interpreting as well, and besides asking those, uh, asking me if I could fulfill those simple tasks, they pretty much jump into details. Okay, if we were to offer you this internship, you would have to be here uh, in a month from now. This is what you would need to do. Uh, this is what we would expect, and basically brought it, put everything on the table right away. This is this is like what pay can be. Um, this is where this these are these are some places we can suggest you could be living in, and it was also a cultural different difference. I would say, I think it was much more straightforward uh, with a Chinese company than the first one. The first one I had three phone calls. I did three phone calls with them before they told they gave me very specific information on the position and whether I had the offer or not. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for that. Uh, so you knew the language before going over. Right? I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So did you feel like that had a pretty large part in getting you those positions? Would you recommend if you want to work in abroad to make sure you know the local language? I think it's definitely a plus. It's definitely a plus. I think for the second internship I did, it was, uh, I would say that was the reason why they wanted me because I could communicate with them. Uh, and communicate with their customers about the first one i think it helped me a lot but i wouldn't say it was necessary mm -hmm. it helped me get along better with my co-workers who are chinese and just navigate living in living in china mm -hmm. uh figuring out uh, several things on my own like going and getting a bank account uh, all those details but there were a couple other people in that company that did not speak chinese uh, and started learning more chinese while they were living there so I think it's really only a plus 
it's really only a plus, but I don't think not speaking in a foreign language should stop you from going abroad and experiencing a different culture. Right. And sometimes you may even pick up the languages you go over there as well. Right. I know you mentioned a little bit about like the cultural difference you had with the sleeping and the lunch break, but did you feel that since you were not a local, were you, did you feel like you were treated a little differently as far as just, I guess, culture standpoints go? Yes. Yes. There were some things uh, that I realized were not normal after, after some time, after my coworkers told me. So, so I got there uh, and after some time, the, the person that hired me, the, the, the boss, he, he took me out for lunch. He took me out for lunch. He, he was just telling me uh, a few things about the company, about how he ended up working in that industry. Uh, he was really kind. He, we, drove, we drove in his car. Uh, then he brought me back. And I realized that he, that my coworkers told me that that wasn't something he would really do. They had this, this really uh, hierarchical structure between the boss and supervisors and then and then all the other co-workers so they thought it was quite interesting and quite different that I could that he would uh, talk to me very directly and in a very friendly manner which is something that is not usually done in Chinese culture when it comes to people in uh, higher positions positions of power and subordinates Mm -hmm. so basically they told me it was it was something that they do in Chinese culture they usually like to show courtesy to guests and especially to foreigners, people visiting China. And even though I was working there, I was coming from abroad. I was going to be there for the specific amount of time. Then I would leave. So I, I was basically a, a guest for uh, the whole time I was there. So they did give me a, a guest treatment. Interesting. So you felt like you were treated differently, but f- in a, in a, treated better because you were not a local. Basically, like your yes. yes treatment. Interesting. They, 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 yeah, they did treat me in a in a very nice way. And at the same time, because I was not a local, they had, I want to say they had less expectations for me, but they had different expectations. Mm-hmm. Some of them were not the same ones uh, they had for locals, and some were uh, the same, but maybe not as strict. Interesting. Yeah, that's very, that's way interesting. Now let's let's talk about like a little bit about your time just living in China. Like, what what were some of the um, highlights and some of the lowlights, or the best and worst things you felt were were there about living and working in China? I mean, each experience had very different things because I lived in two very different places each of those times. First time I was in Shanghai, mm-hmm. China's most international city. So when I was there, I was able to meet people from all different backgrounds. I would have to attend. Um, uh, lots of networking events uh, for my first internship. So I met people from everywhere, uh, all these different Chinese people that had lived abroad, spoke several languages. There were lots of amenities in the city. The city never sleeps, basically. I had to navigate uh, through, uh, through a couple things that had lots of red tape, like uh, figuring out a bank account, um, being able to understand uh, public transportation, um, doing all those, let's say, daily activities. That was quite interesting, uh, quite different from what I was used to in the US, but at the same time, it wasn't too too hard because I had a lot of people that I could ask how to do how to do so. And they speak English in a lot of places in Shanghai. They have, lot, they have lots of signs in English uh, because they get lots of tourists and it's just an international place. So it wasn't 
too difficult to navigate. It was it was foreign for sure, but it was also very much um, very much similar to what you could find in any big city. I could buy, let's say, lots of the things I like to eat in, to eat in the states. Uh, there were places where, for example, I would go sometimes eat Mexican food with some friends in Provo while in school. Mm-hmm. And in Shanghai, I could do the same thing. Tasted a little different, but they were still Mexican restaurants I could find. So, right. yeah, it was it was not much. It was an adjustment, but not too extreme. Right. The sec the second time, however, was uh, much more extreme. I wasn't um, too aware of the location of the internship. They had told me it was at this city called Fosan, which is in uh, Guangdong Province, southern China. It's not it's not one of the biggest cities in China. I did do my research on that and knew how it would be a less international place, somewhat more isolated. Mm-hmm. But when I got there, I realized the, uh, the company was in this really suburban outside of the city uh, district. So when I got there, they didn't have the things that they had in this big city, Shanghai. They didn't have a met, uh, subway system. There weren't any places where I could buy, let's say, Western food. They were in any science and English. Thankfully, I, I could speak and read Chinese, but basically everything was 100% hardcore Chinese. Uh, and the people, they would also stare at me on the streets because they're not used to seeing foreigners the way people in this other city are. It was just uh, basically like discovering a new world. That one was uh, very interesting. That second experience, probably. It, it was more difficult to adjust than the first one. So if I get you right, like the first time was basically like any big city. Like there's a lead. It's kind of tailoring to multiple cultures as possible. But yes. then the second time was pretty isolated, very Chinese. Is that right? Yeah. You can think, I don't know, if I were to think of an equivalent or something, you could think maybe somebody going to New York and they're like, okay, this is what I can experience uh, when it comes to American culture. Mm-hmm. And then the second time, maybe you send them to some little town in Wyoming <laughs> or something like that. It's just, just a, right. a very different <laughs> yeah, experience. Right, Both yeah. the same country, but very different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Do you feel like your international experiences that you've had kind of helped you get to where you are now? And if so, like, how, how do you feel like they've helped you? Um, absolutely. I think, uh, well, because of the experiences I've had, I've been able to, to establish common ground with uh, people in, in those different industries, uh, to be able to meet people with the same interests. Uh, and I've developed skills that allow me to that have allowed me to have those jobs before and the, mm-hmm. and the job I currently have. Uh, for example, the, the job I have now, I need to speak Chinese. I need to be able to read it uh, for some of the research I do, something mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had I not uh, majored in school, taken a different language classes, nor had those experiences living in China and polishing my language skills. I think pretty much all the, the, all the jobs I've had up to this point have had something to do with those international experiences that's awesome. developing those language skills so definitely in my case it, it's definitely related so you'd only say that the, the international experiences in the in and of themselves have basically placed you where you are right now because they've helped you develop your language skills is that right yes language skills are cultural knowledge too cultural knowledge yeah which is very important especially if you want to work internationally yes yeah Okay, kind of get switching gears real, real quick. We have just a few more, a few more questions for you. Um, and you've been great so far. You've been, thank you for your time. It's been awesome. No worries. 
So when you were over in China, you were also enrolled in Nanjing University. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. After I did my first internship in China, I did a semester in Nanjing University. Nanjing. Now, I, I'm very curious as to what was the education style like in Nanjing compared to the U.S., like state senior education style? Were they different? Or if so, how, like how were they? They were very different. Um, for some background, so I did go to Nanjing University and I took, it was a direct enrollment program. That's what they call it. So BYU basically transferred my records there and I was just another student there. I wasn't, in, I wasn't really an exchange student uh, taking any special classes. I was doing all my classes in Chinese uh, with all the regular Nanjing University Chinese students. Um, so the system is really different. The first thing I noticed right away is it is very much based on memorization. So I think something that was uh, somewhat of a culture shock for me the first time I moved to the U.S. was that uh, the education uh, was very much focused on helping you develop uh, critical thinking skills. Suddenly my opinion mattered more, uh, what I thought and how I would analyze things mattered more in the U.S. than growing up and going to school in Guatemala. When I went to China, uh, I realized that basically most classes where the professor, they would be lecturing us, we'd have to take lots of notes. Um, no questions were asked. I only had one class and that was a history class in which the teacher, they, they would ask us what we thought, ask us different questions, and we would be able to have some conversations between the stu other students. So yes, it was mostly memorization, being able to listen, and there wasn't much of a homework or exam structure. We would take notes basically every, every class day, every week, and we just had a big final exam at the end of the semester. So there were no assignments. The final exam was worth uh, the whole semester score. It was like 100% of your grade was based on this yes. one. Yes. Yes. I had one class in which I did have two assignments in between and then the final exam. So it's still pretty, uh, pretty substantial load, like 25% of my grade, one of them, the other one 25 and the, the exam was 50. So to study for that exam, did you just have to memorize all of those notes or how did you study for uh, that? Basically, I, when, I knew, when I learned about it, I didn't really have a way to find out about it. I asked some people, classmates, uh, Chinese classmates that were in BYU, but they would just tell me, well, I've never done university in China. I don't know how to answer your questions. <laughs> so when I got there and asked people, they told me, yeah, basically people start reviewing everything two weeks before. Uh, you basically just uh, cram it up and then you take the exam and that's it. Oh boy. Which it sounded crazy to me. It, it, it was crazy, but people, they, they really just do that. A lot of people sometimes skip class or they go to class, but maybe don't pay much attention. And all they got to do is review everything uh, a couple weeks before, then they take the exam and that's it. That's different. That's very different. It was very different. <laughs> yes. I think I learned I learned a lot, but a lot of things that I, I for sure would have not learned in the U.S. And I think the, the things I, you learn in the U.S. educational system, you don't get to learn them in the Chinese system either. It was mm. two very different things. So I know in, in China, it's very hierarchical. It, does that society or that cultural, I guess, tradition, is that, does that also get translated over into like universities? Because I know, I know in the U.S. we can get pretty close and have a pretty personal relationship with our professors if we want. Uh, is that 
even an option really over in uh, Chinese? Um, it's still very much uh, hierarchical, like it is um, in every other part of Chinese society. So something I noticed right away in the U.S., for example, maybe spe specifically uh, going to to Brigham to Brigham Young University uh, professors, they would introduce themselves. Okay, this is my name. This is my share name. This is my last name. But you can call me John. You can call me Matt. Or even I had a couple of professors that they would tell me like a nickname that they hadn't. Then they said we could call them that. Mm -hmm. But in China, you call everybody professor and their surname. Uh, and you address them like that. You always address them in third person. So you, you don't even call them you, but like Professor, Professor Lee, for example, for Professor Lee, uh, and then you ask a question. Um, and you don't really, I, I learned, I used to think that in China, students didn't ask questions because they were just not interested or they were just trying to memorize, but it's actually uh, a respectful thing to do. So when the teacher is talking, you don't want to raise your hand. You don't want to interrupt them. So that in that way, the teacher-student relationship was very hierarchical. And within students, same thing. Um, so people, they, there was this kind of special relationship between students that were, let's say, fourth year students and third year, second year, first year. So basically students in older years, they would be mentors of the younger students. Oh, wow. um, and they, they have these words in Chinese that are specific to addressing somebody who's, who's in an older year of school than you and somebody who's in, a, who's in an earlier year of school than you. So even their language has that. For example, for example, in the U.S., you could think of, okay, you are a freshman, you are a, a junior, senior, but you don't call people junior. You don't call them freshmen. But in China, they do. Huh. So, so that's what you would call, let's say, somebody also maybe taking the classes you took a year ago, you would call them, let's say, sophomore, if they are on their sophomore year. And in like that way, yeah. Like your, your classmates directly, you, you just address them um, the way you would address friends. But usually uh, with people in different years, you, that's how you usually go. Interesting. And so once like you a, know them, you address them by their name. Wow, it's like a title basically in that regard, right? Yes, it's like very much so. Sophomore Oscar or like freshman Sam or something like that, interesting. Uh -huh. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that is way interesting. I've never really thought about that in the ed education system over in China. Uh, that's kind of interesting how it just translates over. Um, I guess really now, Oscar, just kind of wrap up and kind of close it off. What, what advice or what recommendations would you give to a student or to a professional that's trying to get over to China as far as just trying to get, to get a foot in the door? What would you recommend for people that wanted to do that? To get to China, I think... Something I wish I definitely did and knew more about was uh, just looking at the different sources that there are in school. There's a lot of ways you can go to China. You can go, you can do study abroad. You can find internships that can give you school credit uh, or be working directly. You can network with your academic advisors. There's lots of things you can do. I think that's something I wish I had done earlier. Uh, for me, uh, thankfully, it did work doing research on my own, but. Um, I think it, was, it would have been much more easier if I had used the resources that were already available that I just didn't know about. Yeah. So I think definitely that. In once you're in China, I think just being open-minded. I did lots of research on the place, but I still saw so many things that I did not know about that I could have not expected, not even in some, in some of my craziest dreams. So I think just going with an open mind and be willing to not judge and learn, I think that helps. Right, so just use your resources and 
don't be closed-minded. <laughs> Have an open mind yes. as we cover. That's awesome. Is there, any, is there anything else you'd like to add as we kind of wrap this up? Any other lasting, last comments? I would just add that I think it's really, I think it's a great experience for anybody really, whether it's to study, uh, to intern, to work abroad. I think it's a great experience and helps you develop your character, uh, become more open-minded. Um, and it's just a great and not forgettable experience. So I think in, uh, everybody should look into that at some point in their lives. So I thought that that interview was amazing. And something that I thought was very cool was the fact that Oscar has such a diverse background, being born in Central America, then going to live in Taiwan for a few years, going back to the States to study, and then going back to China. I just feel like not many people have that many experiences in all those different cultures that they've been able to enjoy. I think it's interesting to learn from Oscar's experience as well, that you can sort of have a degree of control over how international your experience abroad is. For example, at his first company, he was able to have sort of a less local Chinese experience. But in that second internship, maybe after he had won a little bit more confidence, he was able then to succeed in a really local company where, I mean, he hardly even had anyone who spoke English. Yeah, and I think something else that was interesting was the fact that he didn't require a huge network, he didn't really have a sponsor to get over there, just that his internship experience he found online Googling. And to me, it was just a good example of if you really have a desire to go abroad and to work for an international company or to live in a different culture and to experience life overseas, a lot of it just depends on you and your willingness to go out there and search and find those opportunities. Well, listeners, we're glad you joined us today for Oscar's interview. We encourage you to head over to internationalhub.org and to follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram for more great content. Be sure to stay tuned for our next episode. Go on and get out there. You might just find yourself while you're at it.